Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world who thinks that Adam Wainwright should come back and make a run at 300 career wins. I'm Jake Mintz, Fats Jordan Schusterman. Who says no? Uh, probably the Cardinals, um, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, after, you know, you see the video of the Cardinals clubhouse after 199 for Wainwright last night. And you say, this is fun. Let's try and do this 101 more times. That How long would that take? My goodness, the pace that they're on. We are going to talk about Waino's 199th victory, which came over Jake's beloved Orioles. We are going to talk about Matt Olson at 51 home runs. Uh, Matt Olson has 51 home runs. Jake is still in Philadelphia. He has watched these uh, I guess three ridiculous Phillies Braves games over the last couple of days. So we're going to talk about that series. Felix Bautista uh, is not uh, <laughs> slowed down by his torn UCL or at least injured UCL. Are you hurt or injured? Who knows? Are you hurt or injured? We are about to find out. We're going to talk about David Stearns officially becoming the Pobo. We got to normalize Pobo for the New York Mets. Mike Rizzo just extended a little bit before we hopped on this Zoom call. Max Scherzer is hurt again. Sixto Sanchez is back. And we are going to say goodbye to the four teams who have officially been eliminated from 2023 postseason contention. But Jake, let's begin where you sit no longer with leaf blowers in the background. You are in a hotel like a normal podcaster. You are still in Philadelphia. And let's begin there where the Phillies and Braves are playing a series that means a lot to Philadelphia and not very much to Atlanta. However, if you watch, if you look at how these games have turned out, you would think the opposite because Atlanta, who is essentially playing with nothing to lose, is just going out there and being the better baseball team no matter what. Even though the Phillies are making it close, the Phillies have now lost five games in the last three weeks in which they hit a game-tying or go-ahead home run in the eighth or ninth, in, sorry, in the eighth inning uh, or the ninth inning. So that's pretty impressive stuff for the Philadelphia Phillies and more impressive for the Braves because like I said, they don't really need to win these games. They might clinch the division today and yet they're still going out there. All the players that have played every single game are still going out there playing every game and including Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna Jr., and uh, you're seeing it up close, and how impressive is it to, not that you need to understand how good the Braves are, but you're seeing it real, real up close, and what's what's the mood in Philly? Because it's got to be kind of deflating. You just asked me about 17 different questions. Mm-hmm. Sorry. About the series. Nice. Well, you can, yeah, ask, okay. you can answer one or two of them. How about that? Okay. Uh, I'll tell a story. 
to answer the vibe. Yesterday after the game, I was walking through the tunnel with Max Fried, who pitched very well last night. And he said, you going to stick around for tomorrow? And I said, you guys have a chance to win the division and all three of these games have been insanity and you're probably going to play this team in the first round of the playoffs. But no, I'm going to go home. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a funny way to think about it because, you know, every game that we are, you know, are lucky enough to get to cover and, and go see has different stakes and different reasons why we are compelled to stick around. And, you know, you're in Philly, you live in New York, so you are maybe adding some more. To, but to your point, yes, it is both very obvious that you would want to see more of it. I think the quality of the game and just the quality of the baseball players on the field at the same time by itself is compelling enough to watch Braves Phillies, let alone the context of the postseason rate and the stakes of these two teams and the stakes of maybe seeing them play again in October. That's my favorite part is that, so after the game yesterday in the post-game scrum, I asked Brian Snitker, like, is there any thought to making this somewhat of a dress rehearsal? Because you guys could fall ass backwards into the division title at this point. You need two more wins and you're going to be here almost certainly in a month to play this exact team. Is there any thought to hiding guys? And he's like, Nope, just trying to win today. And that's kind of how the Braves operate, right? They don't galaxy brain themselves. And that's what I appreciate about the Braves. It's like, oh, yeah, we have the best players. Uh, We're going to play them every day. And that's how this is going to go. My favorite moment of last night in particular, and and you can extend this to some other situations where you're watching the best team in baseball. I I can think of so many moments with the Dodgers like that. Yeah. Where Trey Turner hits this epic home run. Again, by the way, Trey Turner, holy shit. I think he's had 11 homers in his last 13 games. I mean, he's essentially doubled the WBC hot streak, okay? In a season yeah. where he appeared lost for the first three months, that is what he has done here as the Phillies have needed him the most. But so so Trey Turner hits this home run. By the way, tough look for your guy, Rysel Iglesias. <laughs> yeah, since Jake, since Jake advocated that Rysel Iglesias is the best closer in baseball publicly on the internet, he has just pooped his pants three times. But but okay, but here's the thing. So Rysel imploding aside, he gives up that home run and they come out for, for a mount visit, or you know, they come together. And normally when you have like this like kind of shell shock home run, game tying, go ahead, oh my god, we just let this game slip away. You can tell the energy on the mound, like the infielders are kind of looking around like, holy shit, what just happened? And nobody wants to make nobody wants to make eye contact. Nobody wants to make eye contact. And the Braves, because they can, and because this game still essentially doesn't mean anything, even though you know it's not good to see Razzle Iglesias struggle, like there's such a calm confidence. And it's the same thing I make the comparison to the Dodgers. There's no version of of like, oh, we just gave a soul crushing home run. Well, if it wasn't a walk off, they're like, okay, like we'll just still win. And I think that there's something now, especially, and, and I asked Sarah Langs about this because I was really curious. It feels anecdotally that I've seen, especially with the Phillies, so many incredible comebacks in the ninth immediately, like the momentum is immediately thrown in the trash because in the top of the 10th, the road team has an automatic runner and just scores in, in a way that in the past, you could almost carry that momentum when you tied it in the bottom of the ninth. 
into extras into the bottom of the 10th or so on. Apparently there's, it's not true. Like the road teams actually haven't won any more extra inning games than normal since the Manford man has been placed on second base, even though it kind of feels that way, but it does feel that way. And especially with Atlanta, I just looked at Matt Olson and Riley and they're just like, okay, like it doesn't really matter. Like we still get to hit again, probably if we get out of this and if we lose, like who cares? And like that level of comfort and confidence that they're playing with (laughs) on top of the talent that they clearly have is why they're the best team in baseball. They understand the end of the road is them usually winning. (laughs) And so they have such faith and conviction in the final product that the rest of the process is almost just going through the motions, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and that is part of why they play every day and why they never get frazzled and why they feel inevitable at all times, right? And another part of it is they're all locked up, right? So very few of these guys are worrying about the money side of it. They're all like, yeah, we'll play every day. I mean, literally not who, who is playing for a contract? Eddie Rosario, Eddie Rosario. But he, I mean, he already signed, you know, a a deal with, with them. Like he's making a good chunk of money. He signed as a free agent back with them. Like he's making probably the most he's ever going to make again. Like, sure, I guess, but it's, it's it's really nobody else. Right. Um, and the Braves are, the Braves are absolutely phenomenal. They're fascinating. They, I, they're, they're, they're just such a compelling group, I think, and a compelling project of baseball that I'm excited to watch. I think for uh, maybe another month into <laughs> October, we'll get to Matt Olson. Back to him in a second. For the Phillies, ready for a hot take? I always. That's why we are, do this podcast three times a week. Are Kyle Schwarber and Trey Turner peaking too early? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Schwarber in particular is like it just goes so hot and cold that it wouldn't feel like anything out of the ordinary if he is about to go 0 for 25 and that he's liable to do that in October anyway. So I don't really know if for him it makes a difference. For Turner, it's like, I mean, you could not possibly be any hotter than you are right now. Right. And at some point, like clearly he's fixing stuff to the point where he's He's found it, and he and he is a good player. And and by the way, it's a great reminder of like, yeah, that is why you give players like him three hundred million dollars because they are capable of figuring out and being one of the best players on earth, even when they are, you know, bad right. for a long stretch. Whereas the other players, it's like that upside is does not exist, even if it isn't as frustrating because you're not paying him all this money to not be good for two months. It's not the same because the upside isn't there. So I think the, it's a fair the, question. I think it's fair the question. issue with the Phillies right now is super weird. I, have you been following the Rodolfo Castro situation? No. Do you know about <laughs> no. this? Honestly, I haven't. I, I was going to start talking about the bullpen, but go ahead. Yeah, the bullpen is a little iffy. It's just like there's really no one who inspires a ton of confidence. The Phillies just moved Michael Lorenzen back mm-hmm. to the bullpen to be the setup man. Since his amazing no-hitter, he's been very mediocre. Hopefully he doesn't have to give the vans back, the gold vans. Um, He can wear them as a setup, man. But the bullpen has question marks. Basically, their bench is very flimsy and somewhat pointless at the moment. Johan Rojas is really good and like a legit great defender and center who can hit lefties a little bit. But they have Rodolfo Castro on there who they've traded for at the deadline. And I don't think he's played in like a week and a half. And it's like becoming very clear. I think Matt Gale wrote this like Rob Thompson just does not want to play him, but they're trying to get him through the season so he can have another option for next year. Oh, classic, which again, you can sort of get away with 
We've seen teams do. I mean, this is stuff that yeah. you really have to be paying attention to know that this is happening. But he's played, and it's not like yeah. he's played one. He's appeared in one game since August 29th. Yeah. But he's been on the active roster the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And, you know, sometimes you see, I mean, the Braves were rolling with Charlie Culberson for now. They obviously didn't need him as much as maybe the Phillies sort of need Rodolfo Castro. I don't really think they need him that much either. But it is kind of wild how long some teams can commit to not using yeah. their bench, <laughs> especially now when you have to have that player on. Right. Like that's part of it is there's a limited number of pitchers you can have. So like that, that spot needs right. to be a position player if they if they could replace it with a pitcher they would have you know a week and a half ago uh from one great player to another let's talk about matt olson mm. matt olson there are are not many distinctive things about matt olson besides one his stance which looks like he is corkscrewing an umbrella into the ground at the beach the way his hands drape over his chest out in front of him, and then rocket forward. I'm sure he would be an unbelievable umbrella boy. I mean, it, it is it is a fascinating thing because, and I, I remember thinking this when he was a prospect and when he came up with Oakland, where like aesthetically, it's not particularly enjoyable. Yes, he obviously has, you know, 70 raw power, 70 game power, you know, like, He's got, if it's not 80, I mean, you could say it is 80 game power at this point, right? Like, but like he doesn't, he hits it hard, but it doesn't come off. It doesn't look like it's coming off the bat the same way it does when Ronald does it because of the swing and because of the stance and because he's so big and it doesn't look like the bat speed is particular, but like he has kind of, honestly, although not as aesthetically pleasing in the same way as Freddie Freeman. It's just like, he's just figured it out. Like he's just kind of mastered exactly what he needs to do to impact the baseball in a meaningful way on a consistent basis. And I think maybe what's most impressive, the two things from his just pure offensive profile, he crushes lefties more than almost any other power hitting left-handed hitter, him and Corey Seager, like historically good against left-handed pitching. And he hits them to the opposite field too. That's what and I was those homers look he even weirder. He has 17 home runs oppo this year of the 51, yeah. which yeah. is very impressive. And, and it does look super weird just the way his stance is. He looks like a softball league yes. pole monkey. Yes. Yes. And yet he's and, – and that's why they don't – it's so impressive and he's so big and he's so strong and he clearly knows that he's swinging at the right pitches now and he's he's still striking out a lot, but he's he's honed in the approach enough that he knows exactly what kind of pitches he's looking for. And he's essentially just perfected it. And honestly, he uh, this is, again, you know, probably a career season. We've seen him hit 30-plus homers before, but now he's at 51. He's going to get to 55, 56, 57. Who knows? He's in a better ballpark now, of course, uh, than he than he would have ever been in, in Oakland. And, and yeah, he's uh, he he is maybe not – It's it's hard to come up with too many interesting things to say about him because he's a guy named Matt Olson who kind of looks like that and swings like that, but – my God, he is he is really, really, really special. What a player. 51 home runs, man. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of home runs. Also, tying Andrew Jones, uh, of course, Braves franchise record. And the 51 home runs from Andrew Jones always sticks in my head because I played so much MLB 2K6. And I was, you know, coming off the Andrew Jones year. 
And whenever you, you know, were looking at the stats from last year, it's like Andrew Jones hit 51 fucking home runs. Are you kidding me? Like, and is like the best defensive center fielder. Like you couldn't even fathom that man at that time. And 50, 50 is rare. You know, we have seen it more recently with Pete and with Judge. Um, with Stan, but that 50 is 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 so many, so many homers. So he is now 25th on the active all-time list. Mm-hmm. He has 227 career home runs. Mm-hmm. I would imagine he has – he's basically a shoe-in to get to 300 at this point, right? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking bigger. I mean, him and Pete are on very similar paces. Pete is, is a year younger, um, and so – but, like, he is on a similar pace also in terms of just per year. And it's, it's, yeah, man, like if we're looking for, for home, we talked about Giancarlo recently, but like, these are the guys in terms of durability and power production that if you want to see, are going to get to 400, 500, 600, whatever, like these are the guys you're looking at. Yeah. It won't happen though. Cause that shit is impossible <laughs> to do. Uh, let's start, let's do one more topic before we take a break. Felix Bautista, mm-hmm. the Orioles mountainous closer, a hunk chunk of a man. An enormous individual who, for most of this season, was the best reliever in the world. Full spot, full stop. Yep. You could maybe make a Josh Hader argument, maybe, but Bautista was having the most dominant relief season maybe we've ever seen. A top three or four strikeout rate season ever, mm-hmm. and was a huge cog in the Orioles. AL East leading machine. Then about what, like two or three weeks ago, leaves a, uh, an outing with elbow discomfort. We learn that he has some type of tear in his UCL. And then a couple days ago, over that over those three weeks where he's on the shelf, he's not getting surgery. And the Orioles are being a little weird and reserved about the information they're giving out. And there's no definitive answer. Comes out this week. The Orioles are almost certainly, and Bautista, are not going to have him get surgery this year. You're going to more or less see if he can pitch through it. Jordan, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, and it's not just that he wasn't getting surgery. Like, he was seen, like, throwing, you know. Playing catch. Light he's throwing. Playing he's catch. Played, he's played catch three times. Three times, right? Which, again, for when you hear partial tear UCL, like... That's not the next thing you normally see. Now, clearly what they have decided is that this is an option. And, and Elias has said, like, doctors don't believe he there's risk for him throwing, which is very difficult for me to believe. Like, I, I don't know why Michael has to say, I don't believe he's lying to me. But either way, what's most important here is two things. One, okay, they're, they're deciding, clearly he's such a big part of our team. And any chance that he can come back and pitch in some form for it to, even if it's not until the ALCS, right? It's not like they're going to try and rush him back to win the division, but like they are going to give it every possible chance. But what is fascinating here, and this is where we enter somewhat unprecedented. I know we've seen, we know that guys have pitched through it. We know guys like, you know, Lance McCullers have pitched through it. We know guys like there's versions of this where you pitch through it through the rest of the season. But for him in particular, who throws so freaking hard, there is a difference between him throwing 102 and him throwing 97, okay? And I have no way of knowing what he's going to be throwing if and when he comes back, but that will be a huge thing because Felix Bautista can still probably be a good pitcher pitching 96-97, but that is not the same thing. And what is interesting to remember is that when he, his last outing, it wasn't a situation like Otani or like you see with a lot of guys who blow out 
where it's like, oh God, now he's throwing 92. Oh my God. Like, no, his last pitch was 102, right? So <laughs> it's possible that he can pitch through it, pitch through the pain and be Felix Bautista. Maybe. I have no idea. But that is what I'm most interested in. If in the world where he does come back and pitch, which will be incredible on its own because of the context here, there's a huge variance in what he could look like because there's a version where he comes back and not only doesn't get hurt, maybe he does get hurt, maybe he doesn't again, but what does he look like is, will be a fascinating thing for his kind of pitcher. The wait and see approach is both uncomfortable, fucking awesome, <laughs> and reasonable. And I will take those in the opposite direction in which I said them. It is reasonable because if Felix Bautista gets Tommy John yesterday, or if Felix Bautista gets Tommy John in a month and a half, he is missing the entirety of 2024 either way. The Orioles understand and Bautista understands that any surgery would make him available for the start of 2025. Right. And so the difference in missing time is negligible mm -hmm. between those two. Right. It, it's not like when Reese Hoskins tore his ACL and it was like, oh, let's get him surgery as quick as possible because maybe he could be back on October 12th or whatever. Right. They know next year's a wash. So why not wait and see? It is awesome because the idea of the largest man in baseball rumbling out of the bullpen. And pitching through a torn UCL in the playoffs at home for the Orioles. And the first, let's like, let's see, he comes out, right? And it's like a save situation. And the first pitch is 101. <laughs> I mean, right. that's just, but like, that is, is, I know, and that's thing. the thing. Like, presumably, they're going to know where he's at if they get to the point where they're actually going to use him. There's no way. Although at the same time, like, if I'm Felix Bautista, I'm saving my my best bullet until I am in the game in a safe situation, right? Like, right. why am I airing it out in the live BP against Ryan McKenna? So, so that, but that's the risk, right? And that's where it becomes very nerve wracking. And the two reasons it makes me uncomfortable. One is from like a human perspective of, it is fair to ask the question, are the Orioles doing right by their player in this mm -hmm. case? Mm -hmm. Is it true and is it for sure that he cannot injure himself anymore? And that he is not going to lose potential future earnings as a result of pitching through this situation. And that's not something that we can answer. That's between the agent and the PA and the Orioles and really depends on their relationship and the specifics of this particular situation that we just don't have info on. But I think it is important to ask that question. Totally. Just based upon the history of how teams and players interact with injuries. That's the first part, right? The second thing is... Okay, so let's say he's going to pitch. Are they going to put him on the playoff roster and run him out in a high leverage spot in the ALDS without putting him out there down the stretch? That's like that's he the thing. Probably has to throw before in a game before they put him on the playoff roster. But yeah. like you said, is that a good use of the bullet? I. That's that's the part that's just so difficult. And and yeah, I mean, I think the first part you said is, is definitely much more important in terms of managing this. And, and presumably, clearly, Bautista's on the same page here. I think it's also, if anything, the fact that we've seen him throwing tells us something. It tells us there is variance in terms of the pain tolerance, in terms of the injury, in terms of the tear. Because sometimes guys tear their UCL and that's it. They can't lift their arm. They can't do anything. They can't lift up a baseball. Like that happens, right? 
Sometimes they can do it and they can pitch through it. That's not that, that <laughs> Jake, Jake's like, look at me. I did that. Right. Which is true. But to, to that point, that's not necessarily a reflection of how tough Felix Bautista is versus the other guy. Like it's just, there's clearly a spectrum of UCL injuries where sometimes you can't pick up baseball and sometimes you can pitch through it to some degree, but that is just a massive difference because Felix Bautista at 70%, it might not be worth it, right? Maybe it is. I don't know. We're going to find out, but this is, this will, at the very least now we know this is a storyline to watch as opposed to, damn, they lost Felix Bautista. I would still be surprised if he pitches a season. I'm going to say that again. I still would be very surprised if he pitches a season, but I totally understand the wait and see approach. I totally agree with you. The most likely scenario here is he does not throw a pitch in a big league game for the rest of the year. That is the most likely scenario. The second most likely scenario is he throws a couple pitches in a game and is he's like, this hurts so freaking much. Thanks for the memes. Get me to Andrews tomorrow. Right. Okay? That's the second most likely thing. The third most likely thing is that he comes out and he's a reduced version of himself and he tries to pitch through it and it doesn't go well. And the fourth option is that he goes out there and he's chucking 103. And it's and just like, Felix you can't stop me. Yeah. You can't stop me. Like 50 cent. Right. Like, I'll get the surgery after the parade. <laughs> yeah. Like cut me open. The, you know, you cut me open on the float. You know, right. now, it, I would say there's like a 4% chance that happens. But yeah, boy, probably oh boy. less. <laughs> but yes, boy, oh boy. No, I know, but but now they are leaving it up to our imagination, and so that's a dangerous. Those thing. are all the yeah. Our, our imaginations are dangerous, dangerous beasts. <laughs> yes. Jordan, let's take a break, and when we get back, we will discuss the opposite of Felix Bautista, Adam Wainwright, getting a win against the Orioles in Camden Yards. We have some front office Pobo news. We'll explain what Pobo means. Scherzer hurt. Sixto Sanchez, don't get too excited. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official baseball barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this postseason. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. There was one note from the Phillies Braves jamboree thus far that we forgot to touch on that I needed to mention, Jordan. In yesterday's game, Zach Wheeler allows a home run to Ronald Acuna Jr. Not particularly embarrassing. We've all been there, presumably. Most pitchers in the big leagues have done it this year. And in the post game, when asked about the the instance, Zach Wheeler, the best pitcher on the Phillies, said, quote, I just hung a curveball to what's his name? Acuna. So here's what we've gathered from this. Okay. Wheeler hates Acuna. I think. Did watch the way he glared at him around the bases as Acuna Acuna, which is his right. I think this is a very fun storyline to watch. Wheeler versus Acuna. Wheeler 
anybody referring to the most valuable player in the sport this year in the National League. Yes, that's my opinion. And saying, what's his name? You play them four series a year. You played them in the playoffs last year. It's so good. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I didn't see the video of this. So this is a good example where facial cues may give us a hint as to whether he was, I mean, obviously he was joking to some degree, but it's more of like, was he saying it with disdain or was he saying it like the, yeah, that fucking guy again. Both are on the table, <laughs> so I'm I think not, it uh, leans. I don't, yeah, I think it leans towards um, uh, shade. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you, you don't have a choice, dude. Like, sorry, he's on the other team, and he's one of the best players. Uh, the old, you don't like it, pitch better, Zach. It's not that complicated. Um, <laughs> the other funny part of it is, like, in yeah. the I know this is not true, but in the world, he doesn't know his name. It's like, mm. well, maybe if you had read the scouting report on the guy with. 36 home runs then you would have not allowed a homer let's move on to adam wainwright jake last night let's let's move on to the guy who should move on (laughs) adam wainwright who pitched last night against john means john means by the way as brandon hyde said he looked like john means yeah Yeah, he he did. did i mean that was definitely john means like there's no doubting that there was like somebody else Three runs, five innings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like the homer to Goldschmidt was like a foot above the zone. Like he pitched, he pitched totally fine, right? He pitched fine. Great to see John Means back. Uh, Adam Wainwright, who is seeking his 200th career win. Again, he came into this year needing five wins on a team that was expected to win the division easily. And last night, he got win number four. He is 4-11. and 11. His last win before last night came back on June 17th. He has made 12 starts since then. And the problem is that to get wins, you have to actually go deep into games, which he's also struggled to do. But even when he has, it has not gone well. But Jake, last night, he gutted it out. And he delivered five strong, two runs, three walks, three strikeouts, seven hits. No homers, most importantly. Gallegos, Libertor, John King, Ryan Helsley, shutting it down. And and Adam Wainwright gets win number 199. And I'm happy for him. And now we look ahead. Because now we've said, oh, it's going to be so painful. But if Adam Wainwright finished at 198, it'd be like, oh, wow, that's sad. But if Adam Wainwright finishes at 199, that's really going to hurt. Let's look ahead of the Cardinal schedule. First of all, any takeaways from this game? Because I know, oh, yeah. you know. Taunts. Yeah. Taunts. Go ahead. Number one, it is the only thing that Cardinals are playing for right now. They, they admitted is, that. They basically said that I know. yesterday. It's so funny because it is such a unique opportunity for a franchise. Usually they're good and everyone knows that usually they're good and they expect to be good next year. But they need to have something to rally around in September. And there is really nothing better to rally around. Than the guy who has been with you for like decades, you know, gutting it out for win number 200. Oh, what more is there to play for? And there were two moments in last night's game that were amazing. So did you see the Nolan Arenado error? (laughs) Yes. Of all all the guys to maybe blow it. uh, Yeah, that would have been something. In the fourth inning, there are up three to zero and Arenado makes an error and it's bases loaded now. With one out. And it's like, oh no. The wheels are starting to wobble. 
Wainwright is on the edge. Ground ball, double play, James McCann. James McCann did what? <laughs> and then in the fifth inning, he allows two runs. Runners on second and third with two outs. Okay. Against Adam Frazier, which mm. is a terrible matchup for Adam Wainwright. Terrible. Left, lefty hitter against Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. And is a great example of if this was a game the Cardinals were trying to win to win the division. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. We're go. We're going to. We're bringing in Libertor here. Yeah, and they leave him in, and he <laughs> strikes out Adam Frazier. And here is my thought on this: Do you remember when Adam Wainwright grooved the the ball to Jeter in the All Star game? What a nice guy! I think this is Adam Frazier returning <laughs> that favor. Carmen is like this. The one thing Adam Brazier doesn't do is like strike out, <laughs> particularly against right-handed pitching. Like that's the thing he's good at is putting the ball in play at the very least. Maybe he would have grounded out to second because he does that a lot, but yep. he usually doesn't strike out. Amazing. In this case, he was like, you know what? I'm going to look out for my fellow Adam. Uh, the Cardinals uh, return home to play Philadelphia and then Milwaukee in a four-game set. Then they go to San Diego to Milwaukee. They finish at home against Cincinnati. So we're looking at probably three more starts for Wainwright, maybe two. Um, Now, thankfully, by the grace of heaven above, he will dodge the Phillies. Because Adam Wainwright in his current state against Kyle Schwarber (laughs) is asking. That is masochism. Yeah, I mean, I guess he would be technically on turn to go... On Sunday, but yeah, there's no shot. There's no way. He'll pitch Monday against Milwaukee, I assume, and then San Diego, and then probably Cincinnati. So yeah, I would think three more, and uh, I think he's going to do it, man. I think he's going to get it. I think he's going to get it. Now, the Cardinals, meanwhile, like they need to freaking lose, right? I mean, they're they're trying to get the highest draft pick they've ever had. Great story from Derek Gould recently about how the Cardinals were one of two teams in the draft era to never pick first or second. Did you know that? Do they or what? Do you know the other team? The Pirates. <laughs> Good, great guess. Sorry, actually, no. That's the, literally the worst guess. Uh, the Boston the Nats. Red Sox. The Nats. No, the, the Boston Red Sox and St. Louis Cardinals—the only teams that have not picked first or second. And the Cardinals right now are, are in position to be in the top five uh, of you know highest uh, draft lottery odds, which you know good for them. Um, unfortunately, twenty twenty four draft looking kind of shitty. Anyway, uh, the Cardinals uh, Wayne Wright's chase for two hundred rolls on. We move to Pobo chat, Jake. Can we actually, let's talk about, let's talk, let's keep old pitchers here. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to talk about Scherzer. Let's get Scherzer out of the way here. So I'm sitting in the press box yesterday in Philly and I see Scherzer's hurt and people are like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, duh. He's 38 and whatever. And every time he pitches, he's violently contorting his back down Here, off the mound and yeah. what was it a strained lat of oblique thing? triceps triceps here's the crazy thing scherzer and and this you know goes back to when he was a first round pick and when he was with the d-backs and it's like there's no way this delivery will hold up and essentially that has sort of originally was not true at all he was one of the most durable pitchers for 10 years but the last few years it's true he has not held up but the amazing thing is he has not had an elbow issue once. And like the elbow has been fine, but everything else, whether it's the back triceps, we're getting shoulder, sometimes shoulder, but not even shoulder. Like it's just like everything upper bust. He's had some lower body stuff. 
I don't know if that makes it better or worse, right? I'm both like so impressed that his elbow has 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 been completely fine essentially the whole time, and yet this is another way that you can get injured all the time. He is taking all the other. Everyone else is going down with elbow stuff. He's like, no, everything else hurts. He should try pitching normal, just like a regular. <laughs> then leg his elbow lift would get hurt over the top. Hurt your elbow. Come back. Whatever. Uh, the Rangers win anyway. Yeah, not a great showing from the Jays so far in no, this no, big no, series. No. It's, it's been a bad week for for Toronto. But again, like the thing with with Scherzer right now is like for, he was pitching great. He's been pitching great, and while they won that game, like if he's missing any starts now, like that is a huge deal. Um, they cannot afford any missed Scherzer start because the, if there's one thing the Rangers cannot afford, it's a bullpen game. <laughs> So, so that is going to be important for Scherzer. We'll see how serious it is. And the thing about Scherzer is he does clearly know his body so well. Like he is a guy who you would think it would be the first guy to pitch through anything. And yet he knows if he can't, he, he won't. And so that will be interesting to see in, in the coming weeks, uh, how serious that is. Jordan. Yep. Let's talk Pobo. Pobo. We got an email recently about from someone urging us to kind of normalize the phrasing pobo and i totally agree i think Spread pobo the, is one of the most underused phrases that we have uh in the <laughs> english language in the baseball lexicon yeah uh this uh, came from kurt yes kurt <laughs> kurt emailed us hi jake and jordan please use your platform to normalize the usage and pronunciation of the acronym pobo for president of baseball operations example for my favorite baseball team the pobo is depoto love that baseball needs this totally agree kurt president of baseball operations in the current era of front office gobbledygook where people are trying to give people promotions they had to come up with a new term something above the manager generally and that has been the president of baseball operations i respect my president not my president of baseball it, operations <laughs> well it's great because it is important because not some teams the GM is the pobo, right? Is the well, the, I think about it as like the trigger man, exactly. Or it's like you know whatever the the buck stops with this guy, right? Like it's it's that who's got the final say, right? But that's why pobo so great. It's like oh well, who's pobo, right? Oh, you're talking about oh you know Carter Hawkins, you know he's really kind of he's the GM of the Cubs. It's like well he's not pobo, that's Jed Hoyer. Jed Hoyer, he's Pobo. <laughs> so anyway, po we have Pobo news. Uh, we got some Pobo news earlier this week and then some Pobo news this morning. David Stearns officially, apparently reportedly signing a five-year contract to be the Pobo of the Mets ahead of Billy Epler, who will remain general manager, apparently. Billy Epler, you know, part of me was like, oh, that's weird. Wouldn't Billy Epler want to like go be Pobo somewhere else? And it's like, actually, no. Like Billy Epler's probably looking forward to not being the guy making all the decisions. Of course, guys would want to be the ones in charge, but as far as a PR standpoint and what people think about him as his reputation, he probably is looking forward to the, the lack of pressure. He gets to still make a shit ton of money working for the Mets, working for Steve Cohen. But David Stearns gets the job that everyone expected him to uh, several years ago. And here we go. And really, I don't have much more to add about the Stearns thing, but I think it is a fascinating decision and news in contrast to the other news that we just got this morning, which is that Mike Rizzo has officially been extended as the Nationals GM and and Pobo, a, a guy who has been in charge of the Nationals baseball ops for longer than any uh, Pobo in baseball, except for who are the two longer tenured guys? Do you know Brian Cashman? Yep. And 
Um, me. <laughs> uh, John Mozalak of St. Louis. And what do all those guys have in common? Well, they've won. They won a World Series. How about that? Uh, now, <laughs> it's been a while for a few of those guys <laughs> more than others. But I think this is just a, a fascinating thing, particularly with these two teams in these divisions and where these two teams are this year both at the bottom of the National League East, looking up at the Braves and the Phillies and the Marlins, and these two ownership groups deciding, this is the guy that I want to lead us. The Mets, desperate for someone to turn them into the Dodgers or the Rays. The Nationals, truly believing that Mike Rizzo has done enough in this rebuild to put them back on course to maybe raise the trophy once again. And we'll see how this goes, because all the smart baseball people will tell you, oh my God, the Nats are idiots. Why would you keep Mike Rizzo? David Stearns is a genius. He is going to lead the Mets to the promised land. And I generally fall closer to that too. I'd probably rather have David Stearns than Mike Rizzo running my organization. But you can understand from owner logic if you think, well, yeah, this guy, we won a World Series. We won a World Series and now we have some cool prospects. That's enough for me. And it's comfortable. It's easier than having the guy, like I'd rather have the guy that we know. And like that's clearly the learners for all the weird things they've been doing recently, like they're going to stay stay comfortable with those guys. And the Mets are trying to do the opposite. They need to sh- change things up. And they're going to a guy, David Stearns, who has an incredible reputation. And I'm curious to see what he can really, you know, build for them. I mean, the Nats need to change things up too, but it doesn't seem that they're going to be doing that. Maybe Rizzo does do some changes down beneath him. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like I both am thinking, I'm happy the Nats kept Mike Rizzo. And... Should the Nats have kept Mike Rizzo? To me, it goes back to what you were saying when we were talking about the White Sox. Like, it is nice to, I, I just like this contrast to see these two teams, like where they go from here, because they're both in a bad place <laughs> and they are both choosing these guys to move forward and get them to a better place and they will be in the same division. And we'll see. We'll see who, uh, where, where it goes from here. Before we take one last final break, Jordan, mm-hmm. I do want to run through Pobo World. Yeah, just please. so people can know. Mm-hmm. So here are the Pobos mm-hmm. in my – this is what I think the Pobo situation is. John Moziliak is the Pobo. Mike Gersh is the GM of the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Brian O'Halloran is the GM of the Red Sox. Chaim Bloom is the Pobo. Mm-hmm. Thad Levine is the GM of the Twins. Derek Falvey is the Pobo. Peter Bendix is the GM of the Rays. Eric Neander, he's the Pobo. Mike Chernoff, GM of the Guardians. Chris Antonetti, the Pobo. Sam Fold, the GM in Philly. Dombrowski, the Pobo. Do you know who the GM of the Los Angeles Dodgers is, Jordan? Oh, yes. it's. It, I believe it's Brandon Gomes, right? It is Brandon <laughs> Gomes. And the Pobo, of course, is Andrew Friedman, Carter Hawkins, and Jed Hoyer in Chicago, like you mentioned. And then I think... Oh, I mean, Pete Putilla, mm-hmm. right? In this is the San thing. Francisco. Even 10 years ago, this was not, you did not have kind of this two-headed no. thing at the top, right? You right. just had a GM. Right, like <laughs> but, Pete Putilla, Putilla. Mm-hmm. Yep, with sorry, the Giants. Mm-hmm. Is the GM of the Giants. Mm-hmm. We all know Farhan Zaidi is in charge, yes. right? And so Farhan is the Pobo. I think those are all of... Well, the, the Mariners. Oh, Justin, the, Justin Hollander is the GM of the Mariners, and uh, Mr. DePoto is DePobo. DePobo. <laughs> so yeah, there's, Jerry, there's, Jerry I'm trying DePobo. to think of now. Jerry DePobo. Now I'm wondering, like, 
who are the where are the front offices where it's just one the tigers right is scott harris scott harris is the general manager i don't know if there's anybody above him ben sherrington is the general manager of the pittsburgh pirates pirates can't afford to that's a situation where we can <laughs> that's the thing right like that's how you end up keeping these guys for longer so mike elias is in charge of the orioles he's the general manager Kim Ng is the general manager of the Marlins. She is the Pope. She's not the Pobo. Brian Cashman not getting to Pobo status is super <laughs> funny to me. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's doing just fine. I don't think anyone's questioning his authority. Jordan, Pobo forever. I know. I love it. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 a fascinating thing. It is it is a very inside baseball, but it is important to understanding how these teams function. Which of us is the GM and who's the Pobo? That is a very interesting question. President you of let us know. I want operations. I want to know what people think about that. Email us, baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Who do you think is the GM and who do you think is the Pobo? This is good. This is good. Let you, you, you let us know. I want to know what people assume, okay? I'm not sure if I know the answer. So I'll, I'll President, let the people decide. Well, people don't have all the behind the scenes knowledge, But that's what right? I'm saying. That's, but that, that's fine. They don't have to. I, I want to know what people assume. And why? Like and why? And explain why. Ooh. Yeah, let us know who's the president of Barbacast Operations and why. The funny thing is usually in a Pobo GM situation, one person has been around a lot longer mm, than the other. Yeah, that doesn't really fit for us. You and I started the first day together. Let's take a quick break mm -hmm. from Pobo behavior and we'll be back with a dumb question about Harrison Bader and farewells to teams that suck. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. And before we say goodbye this week, let's say goodbye to the four baseball teams who are officially, mathematically, statistically eliminated from yes. playoff contention. We are going to do this uh, for the rest of this month as teams get eliminated. And so this is our first batch. The way we're going to do this is we are going to say, why did this team suck so much? And reasons for hope, reasons for optimism. We will begin at the bottom with the team that is somehow at the bottom, the Kansas City Royals below the Oakland A's. The Kansas City Royals now up to 101 losses on the season. Why did they suck, Jake? Their pitching was an abomination from day one. Until Cole Reagans showed up, this was a pitching staff truly going in the wrong direction in every sense. The old guys like Jordan Lyles sucked and Zach Ranke sucked. The guys who were supposed to take steps forward took multiple steps backward. Like Brady Singer, guys got hurt. The bullpen was an atrocity and then they traded away anyone that was re resembling good. And then not enough of their young hitters really took steps forward and then Vinny Pasquantino got hurt. That is why they sucked. 21 different baseball players started a game There's, for they the could still answer City that. Royals. They, they could still add to that. 21. Um, too many. That is, way, that is way too many. So that's why they sucked. Not that complicated. We didn't think they'd be this bad. Uh, what is reasons for hope? They maybe have a foundational hitter and a foundational pitcher. Uh, which, I mean, even some other bad teams still don't know if they have that. But Bobby Wood Jr. is a sensation. He's one of the most fun players to watch in baseball. He's one of the most talented players in baseball. He is just incredible. Bobby Wood Jr. Holy shit. And then they traded for Cole Riggins, which was an incredible piece of business and is a miracle on many senses, but credit to them for making that happen. That was incredibly well done. And now they have Cole Riggins. If Bobby Wood Jr. can learn how to walk, the ceiling is the roof. 
Yes. Uh, the only other nice thing I have to say about this team is that Michael Massey and Michael Garcia are really good at defense. All right. That's all I got. Um, <laughs> that is reasons for hope. Let's move to Oakland, Jake. Why are they bad, Jordan? Well, they were trying to be. They were like, hey, let's be horrible. Uh, other bad things. They're leaving. That sucks. That's horrible. We hate that. Uh, their ownership is a disgrace. All these things. We know that. We've been talking about Oakland in general. Again, like Kansas City, it's really been a pitching thing. We talked about how... Now, by the way, we're coming off back-to-back dubs in Houston. So, and, and I will say, too, that like the first half of the season was like, oh, like let's find some nice stories... Brent Rooker, I love you, man. You know, like he's the all-star. That's so cool. But it's like, oh God, maybe they have some veterans. But now the second half, Zach Geloff. Okay, right? We're seeing Zach Geloff. We're seeing Lawrence Butler. We're seeing some of these other young guys come up and do and do some interesting things. And so there's there's like Geloff in particular has just been incredible. So there's some, there's uh, bright spots to some degree. In my opinion, the worst part is that the two or three biggest pieces they traded away, which are Chapman, Olsen, Murphy, have netted them more or less nothing. Shea Langoliers has been a below-average catcher. I know he's only 25. He might not be it. Estuary Ruiz is very fun and has 58 steals, but is not. Like, he's a good fourth outfielder on a championship team. But they did not get anything foundational for the foundational players they traded away. Yep. But you're right. The guys coming up have provided a spark of optimism mm-hmm. for the Oakland A's. Let's yep. move on to the Chicago White Sox. What a good season. What a great season. So much went well for them. A lot of people really impressed with kind of up and down the organization. They uh, grinded. Couldn't talk about how hard they were working and how well organized and just kind of everyone, you know, pulling in the same direction, really trusting everybody involved. Yeah, totally. Uh, No, just kidding. It was the opposite of that. Now the upside, this is a disastrous season, of course, in every sense of the word. I guess you could say the good thing is that they ended up being so bad fast enough that they traded players away and were able to get some prospects back. So that is a good sign. Edgar Caro has been been very good for them. So that's been nice. And they, they did make some nice trades and got some interesting players. Uh, like with Bobby Witt, you have a foundational player in Luis Robert Jr. He is amazing. He's probably one of the 20 best players in baseball. He is under contract for a long time. There is a player you can build around. Um, Dylan Cease becoming average is a concerning development and not one that anybody expected. Yes, that is a that's part of why. I mean, their pitching was obviously terrible in general, but that's another part of the reason where it's like you're not even optimistic about that yeah. part. Although they kept him, and you know, I I I I think he'll be better next season. But their pitching also has just been an atrocity this year. Their defense has been terrible um, all over the place. And yeah, I mean, those young guys. Tim Anderson was a disaster, obviously in many senses. And you know, Benintendi, biggest free agent signing ever. You know, he's got a 92 OPS plus, like just so many things going terribly wrong. And so, yeah, you're just really hoping that Luis Robert can remember to teach some of his friends to be good at baseball again. On the bright side, they had the single funniest story involving a weapon and fat flaps in baseball in 2023. That's true. No, you cannot take that away from them. So congratulations to the White Sox. Uh, Our final team that we say goodbye to has been officially eliminated. 
is the Colorado Rockies the worst who team in were, the National League? Who were officially eliminated on opening day. I mean, let's yes, be real. Yes, they, I believe, were one of the teams with uh, 0% playoff odds on opening day, or at least close to it. They are in last place in the National League West, as we expected them to be. Why are they bad? Well, they have no plan. There is no direction. Their pitching is horrible. They <laughs> they don't. I mean, like again, we, we we it's the same thing with some of these other teams where it's like, what is what is the plan here? But the pitching, if if you don't have a plan for pitching in Colorado, you are just going to be in last place so fast. And you look at some of their young hitters, and none of those guys have taken a step forward either. Uh, and that's yeah, it's a good way to suck. Their All Star Elias Diaz, who won the All Star MVP. He has a 90 OPS plus this season. Yes. Okay. However, I want to finish here with a note on Chris Bryant. Okay. Oh, before you do a note on Chris Bryant, I think we need to discuss Nolan Jones. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, if if there is another clear, obvious, you know, upside here. um, And by by the way, I guess the fact that they managed to, you know, trade guys to the Angels uh, is also something, right? They were able to trade uh, Crone and, and those guys. But um, Nolan Jones, who they got from Cleveland, is good. He's a good player. He is a good player with power, the kind of player that Cleveland kind of needs, I would say, right? But that is an example where they went out and got someone uh, who will actually probably be a better part of their next good team. Will they have a next good team? I don't know. But if that does happen, Nolan Jones will probably be there, and I enjoy watching him play. But Jake, I want to finish with a note on Chris Bryant. Who? Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant. Remember him? He was really famous, won all the awards, uh, World Series. He like, you know, Bryant, throw to Rizzo, the Cubs oh. win the world. Yeah. Remember him? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris Bryant came back this week for the series against the Cubs. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. Chris Bryant had not played since July 22nd, and he delivered a go-ahead home run last night against this former team. Just a vintage Chris Bryant swing, lofting one into the bleachers. Chris Bryant, as we know, has five more years remaining on his deal with the Rockies, $27 million apiece. And this, I have a very simple thing to say about Chris Bryant, Jake. Anthony Rendon, take notes, okay? There's a way to do this. There's a way to do this. If you are stuck on a shitty team that you don't care for, you can show up and hit a home run and make some kids happy. It's not that hard, okay? That it's truly and and honestly, it's it's simple as Chris Bryant likes baseball. Anthony Rendon doesn't. But like, come on, dude. There's it's a way to do this. More than that. It's more than that. It's you can be anonymous and and respectful at the same time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you know, Anthony Rendon's making ten million dollars more than Chris Bryant, right? But whatever. It that also means, doesn't it doesn't hurt that the Angels are important and the Rockies are irrelevant. Are the I mean, are the Angels there about? They're, okay, so looking forward, they're, okay? They're angels are about to be super duper, even more irrelevant, right? I know more irrelevant than the Rockies, but I just like it. I, it just made me happy. I was like, hell yeah, Chris Bryant. Like, this is the version that I want to see. I don't, like, there was, I had no expectation for him to come back and play this season. And no one would have been mad because he could have said the normal things that people say when they're hurt and don't have no reason to come back for a shitty team and said, yeah, you know, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, you know, I'm doing my best to get back. And then if he doesn't come back, you just say, oh, okay. That's how you do it. Not that complicated. Instead, he comes back, beats his former team. We love to see it. I, I Honestly, I'm rooting for Chris Bryan. I hope he hits 40 homers every year in Colorado, even if they finish in last place. All right, Jake, we're done. We did a podcast. 
I have something um, to say. Uh, oh, should we talk about six though quickly? <laughs> I have a Chris, uh, sorry, a Harrison Bader. Thing. Oh, 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 ask, ask, ask about Harrison Bader. Then I'll say so, two words about six though. I'm watching the Reds highlights late yeah. last night, mm-hmm. and Harrison Bader kind of floats a little dinker into the outfield for a base hit against the Tigers. And he gets to first base and first base coach for the Reds, Colin Cowgill, who's got a nasty, awesome beard. Oh, yeah. I've seen it up close and personal. Gives Harrison Bader a nice, hefty butt slap. Okay. And it made me think. Harrison Bader got there, what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Are you going to just can you butt slap a guy after a hit on the first day he's there? How mm. long into a player's tenure can you give them a butt slap? I've, is yeah. it dependent on the type of player and their personality when you can do that? Is that in the contract? I was just thinking like about the idea of if Harrison Bader that had happened on the first day and like he had never met Colin Cowgill. And yet baseball players are like, yeah, that's fine. Baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. If you're a first base coach listening, let us know. What is the proper etiquette for this? I would love to find out. Uh, last thing before we go, Jake. Sixto Sanchez is back. Sixto Sanchez, one of the best pitchers in 2020. That's the only time he's pitched in the big leagues in front of nobody. He was incredible in the postseason in Wrigley Field. He threw five scoreless. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. He's a top pitching prospect. Of course, came over in the JT Real Moto trade. He has not thrown a pitch since... 2020 until last night with double a Pensacola when he was apparently chucking a cool 88 miles an hour and strutting off the mound after striking out double uh, a you know or guys um Sixto Sanchez I I just I mean this is a thing that like if he had just completely disappeared he was really heading towards like an all-time baseball reference page right and it's very possible based on his performance last night that he's still once again heading towards an all-time baseball reference page and we are going to find out if he actually makes it back with the Marlins based on how he looked. I don't think he is going to be a top option for them down the stretch. But in a world where Sixto Sanchez regains his superpowers, I'm looking forward to it. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. As always, Jake, you will see one more Braves-Phillies game tonight in Philly. We will be back on Friday uh, recapping that and the rest of the stuff from the week. Thank you all for listening. Email us, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. You can get your merch, podswag.com slash baseball. More merch coming. Oh, yeah. I said there's more merch coming. Till then, have a wonderful rest of your week. We'll talk to you on Friday. Bye. Serious XM Podcasts.